Hey friends, welcome to Nathan for Us, a Nathan for You rewatch podcast. My name is Kelly. And hi, I'm Megan. Today we're covering episode six. This one is Funeral Home slash Burger Joint slash Skydiving. We got a threesome in here. Whoa, someone tell Anthony Napoli. (laughs) Yeah, grab him quickly. Yes, so the first segment that we're going to get into is about Boyd Funeral Home. And the opening line of this episode is maybe one of my favorite opening lines of all time. I hadn't really thought about comparing opening lines until I heard this one. And I thought, man, the first line's normally a really great one. So this one is, of all the ways to make money with dead bodies, perhaps the most popular is running a funeral home, which is accurate, informative, and kind of hilarious. Yeah, I kind of was thinking when this happened, like, are there other ways to make money with dead bodies? I think science. (laughs) I think, yeah, science is a big one. I believe, like, body farms are another. Those are kind of fun. Yeah, have you heard of a body farm? No. Oh, my God. They're really cool, actually. So, it's a... They don't sound cool. (laughs) Let me (laughs) rephrase. (laughs) A body farm sounds so horrible. (laughs) Let me set this up a little. So essentially what a body farm is, it's a research facility um, where they will study decomposition. So they literally will put dead bodies in the ground and just study them to see how they decompose in different like environments um, with different like fauna. It's it's very interesting. Ew. (laughs) That sounds like the worst job. (laughs) Like, okay, so if the body is underground, how do you study it? Like, do you dig it back up? Are there sensors or cameras? Like, is it in uh, a box? (laughs) What what is happening here? I believe it's both. There's actually, like, a lot of books, too, if people want to read... Um, some different things about this. There's a book called Stiff, which is all about cadavers. If you're really weird and morbid like me, please let me know. Maybe we can start a book club and read a body farm related book. I just really hate the word body farm, or I guess the words body and farm together. Farm body actually sounds like <laughs> a good thing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey, farm body. See, that sounds nice. That's something that would interest me. Body farm is not as interesting. You know what Body Farm sounds like? A a Body Farm. A great band name. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I promise I'll retire that joke at some point. That's, um, so I guess it's a joke no one would get. But on our other podcast, Cool Girls Look at Explosions, we've formed a band on the last episode. So if you're interested in our musical pursuits, uh, we recently listened to Godzilla or watched Godzilla and did a podcast about it. And within that yes. podcast, we formed a band. Yes, Alpha Predator, baby. Uh, opening for Body Farm. Opening for Body Farm. So we see Nathan trying to do a little recon mission as he normally would. But this time we have a bit of an issue and he has a mishap with his fake beard, which we could probably have seen coming based on how terrible that beard is. Yeah, I think Nathan should have come in a little bit more prepared. Um, Maybe his face was a little sweaty. Uh, Maybe the air was a little moist, like something caused his beard not to stick and he was not prepared with a backup plan. Now... We know that he, in previous episodes, has snuck into survey businesses by crawling into different objects. Um, And it kind of seems like there's a good opportunity to hide in a casket. No? Yeah, that's a great point. He really should have just taken advantage of that and hidden in a casket. But I wonder if um, maybe he was, like, nervous. We see very much later in the episode that Nathan does get a little bit stressed out and has some anxieties with different things so maybe that's one 
Yeah, I think he's used to hiding in objects. And so I think that this would have been a very natural fit for him to survey the business. So I think he gave up a little bit easily here. But he heads on in the next day. He does some internet research. And that's how he does kind of his evaluation of the business. And a fun fact is the website looks almost identical to when he pulled it up on this episode. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It really has not changed a lot, which I guess, honestly, like, are you really going to be that enticed by a certain funeral home based solely on their website? Like, how much kind of excitement can you really put into a funeral home online business? I really think I would pick based on the website, (laughs) to be honest. Really? (laughs) Yeah, because I guess I don't really, like, I haven't researched this by any means, but I'm just trying to think of, I would look up all the ones in the area and think about kind of where do you want to be buried if you, if that's like the route you want to go. Pause. Are you dead in this scenario or are you doing this before you died? (laughs) You know what I just thought of? Is there a new business that we could make where it's like funerals for millennials and we kind of have like a very millennial focused funeral home? I don't know what kind of permits you need to be able to bury bodies somewhere. Maybe we can Mm, look into this. I don't think millennials are into getting buried. I think they want to be like the pod that grows into a tree, which also is the is what I'm leaning towards or being donated to science. I think being buried is passe. Fair enough, but do do they want, like, somewhere to where their family can go visit them, I wonder? I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, we could start a funeral home that has, like, a TikTok account, you know. <laughs> Very aesthetically pleasing uh, tombstones. We don't want just, like, a basic rectangle. We want them to be, like, really colorful, watercolor glass, like, water fountains, you know, have like a garden buried on top, never need to replace flowers, just keep the garden growing. Yeah, you could be buried under some succulents, maybe. And Ooh, I think there'll be food trucks around Ooh. it. <laughs> yeah, and everything's gluten free. You'll be buried in some gluten free soil as well. Come relax for an afternoon, you know, throw your biodegradables just on top of the graves, you know, keep the cycle going. <laughs> I think, I think we're really onto something here. Yeah, have like a nice little community. Make it a space you'd want to go and hang out with your old friend. And like give it a comfortable, in, give yourself a comfortable environment to go hang out in. Maybe we have some games, you know, cornhole. Ooh, um, a smoothie bar perhaps. Ah, maybe we do those like silent discos. You can listen to an audiobook or a fun bop that, oh, Maybe you go and there's, like, a code on the tombstone that you can scan to find out, like, the person's favorite song or book or some fun facts. And you can, like, get to know them a little bit. I really like this. I think that we really have come up with something here that could catch on. Maybe. But um, I guess uh, there obviously it's also a somber practice. So while we can try to make it as upbeat as possible um we know that nathan actually brought this up to candy boyd who is running the funeral home and like the nicest human being on earth but nathan says so your business is death that must be bittersweet for you bitter because people die and sweet because you're making money um and he goes on to try to explain to her and kind of draw this out by saying you know, you must get excited when someone dies because you're making money, but be sad. And he just goes back and forth, kind of repeating himself a few times. And she's just, she says exactly. I, oh, you know what? I really want to look up how many times she said exactly. Do you have the episode? Oh my goodness. She says it a lot of times. So during this conversation, when Nathan goes back and forth saying, like, you're sad because of death, but you're happy because of money, um, this whole time, Candy just repeats the words right and exactly over and over and over again. So she says exactly nine times, and she says right four times, um, because I guess Nathan is exactly right. Death is sad. Money does make her happy. Exactly. That's all we can say. Yeah. 
So now we get into the plan and the plan is to give people the option of buying more friends to attend their funeral. So Nathan needs to audition actors to play the characters who would go to your funeral and pretend to be sad, um, kind of get into character depending on what kind of service you're looking for. And so we go through an interview process and they're all jammed in this tiny little room and there are these printed off photos of actors just taped to the wall. One of them is Tom Cruise. I have the list of all of them if you'd like. So the ones that I was able to spot, there's Tom Hanks, uh, George Clooney, Julia Roberts, Brad Pitt, Gwyneth Paltrow, and our friend T.C. Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's some inspiration in the room. You feel surrounded by greatness and uh, prolific actors. And so the guy won. Uh, The first guy that we see, Nathan hands the guy a jean jacket and says that this is a widow. Uh, who lost her husband, make her feel better. And he gets the guy to like hold the jean jacket and give it a kiss and uh, tell the jacket that (laughs) if you need anything, please call me. And then we get a big stamp on top that says hired. What did you think of his acting job? I thought that he he did a pretty good job. The kiss was a little weird to me. But otherwise, you know, he was very tender and very sweet towards the fake denim shirt who is uh the widowed the widowed jacket the old widow jacket we do have um one thought which is the way that nathan put those headshots around the room should we do something similar in our respective podcast rooms like should we have pictures of like rob sesternino up and like oh karen and georgia from my favorite murder (laughs) (laughs) yeah i kind of podcast like random places in my home But I'm hoping at some point to have, like, actually put some chairs in a room and maybe just have one place to go. I'll send you maybe just a big old, like, artistic portrait of some of our favorite podcasters that you can put up. How's that? Oh, absolutely. Of course I'd hang that up. I'll get working on it now (laughs) because I'm not very artistic. Okay. I'll just put a picture of you on the wall so that it's (laughs) it's like we're together when we podcast. Oh, that'd be so sweet. <laughs> a little sad, but but sweet. Bittersweet, if you will. Just like how working at a funeral home is. <laughs> exactly right. Um, so now we go on to audition number two. And this time we have a blonde woman. She says she can do a lot of accents. Um, she cannot. <laughs> She's... <laughs> She says um, that the Canadian accent is a lot like a British accent, and she puts on this really weird voice to say Canadian, and Nathan says that he's Canadian, actually, and she says that he sounds normal. I think Canadians and Americans, most places, uh, sound quite similar. You know, of course, we have a an accent out in PEI, New Yorkers sound a certain way, but... I would say in general, there's not a strong accent in Canada. I will say, so for anyone who doesn't know, I work for an American company. And I was told by one of my coworkers that of our team of 12 people, I have the strongest accent of anyone. And we have people who are from like the deep south in Georgia who we worked with. And, like, people who are from Boston. But I was told that my accent was stronger than anyone else's. So maybe we just can't hear it anymore. Listeners, does anyone listen to us and go, wow, those strongly accented Canadians? I can put on, like, a very strong Canadian accent. Oh, please, please do. You know, just out for a rip, are you, bud? Like, I feel like that's (laughs) very strong, but that's also a little bit Minnesotan. Another uh, Oscar-winning performance. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, in not case, this. <laughs> in case our um, our accents weren't strong enough, uh, we are humble Canadians. That wasn't obvious from our voices. Um, so again, we get that big stamp of hired. So then we get a third woman. Um, for audition number three. Now she has brown hair. She seems a little bit older. Nathan gives her a scenario. And I want to know what you would do. So Kelly, a 
A child is running up and down the aisles during the funeral service. How do you handle this? So I'm not going to lie. I did feel the most connected to this woman of all of them (laughs) because I feel like she really went for it. And here's the thing. If you're going to be a fake funeral goer, I feel like you need to just really go all in. And she starts fake swearing at these children who are running up and down the aisles. Personally, I think if that were me. She's real swearing. (laughs) She does real swear. I'd probably be like, hey, kids, like, come on, sit down. So I feel like if you're going to be a fake funeral goer and you're trying to blend in, you know, just be another number in the crowd to make the person seem more beloved, this is a surefire way to really stick out and perhaps pick a fight with someone else. She says, you're a little shit. Just go back to your seat or I'm going to tell your fucking parents. And I went, whoa, whoa, hired again. Big stamp. Nathan's confident she'll do a great job. But here's the thing. Like, you know, sometimes when you're in a situation where you just wish someone would do that. Like, you're on a plane and there's like a kid running up and down the aisles. Like, haven't you ever been like, man, I really wish someone would just tell that kid to go back to their seat. Yeah, and the stewardess will. I'm not going to tell, like, the kid that they're a little shit. That's, like, inside (laughs) thoughts. That's indoor thoughts. That's why I think she's funny. She's, like, all of us, you know? She's relatable. She is very funny. For the record, I do not hate children. I'm very medium on them. They're, like, fine. Sure, sure. Kelly White doesn't hate children. Something I have a really hard time with is guessing kids' ages because I just don't interact with them ever. Like, no one in my family has young kids. All my cousins, like, no one has kids yet. We're all, like, adults, but, like, I'm 28, for example. I'm not going to have kids for a bunch of years. And so it's like, I just don't spend time with them. So anytime we're, like, watching a show or a movie or bump into them in real life, I'm just so off on their age. I just have no clue what they're supposed to know at that age, what they're supposed to have the capacity to do. So I feel like I'd be such a poor judge of what they should know they can and cannot do. I'd be like, I don't know if if it's fair to discipline this kid because they don't know better. Yeah, I guess maybe for me, just because I worked with kids a lot um, when I was younger, I used to teach swimming lessons And I feel like sometimes, like, you just need to discipline them. And hopefully their parents won't get mad at you. But, like, sometimes you just need to tell a kid, like, listen, you need to be quiet right now. And I'm a big proponent of talking to kids like they're adults. Like, I'm not a, like, oh, little... Like, that's how I talk to my pets, which is one thing. Yeah. That's not how I talk to children. (laughs) I talk to children like they're little adults. Granted, like I said, I do not have children. But I do have three nieces. Hmm. I my mom's a teacher and so anytime I I need to like get a gift for a child of any sort I'll just ask her I'll be like this is their age uh what do people that age like I just buy whatever I think is cool so like we bought one of my nieces <laughs> scooters sco- electric scooters <laughs> for everyone that would be my yeah. go-to <laughs> we literally buy them stuff and So my fiancé is a lot better at picking out things because I'll be like, oh, my God, look, we should get them this toy keyboard set. And he's like, no, you don't buy the kid something loud because the parents are going to hate that. Oh, I guess you you can evaluate how much you like the parents. (laughs) (laughs) How mad you are at them at that point in time. Yeah. So the fourth audition is a man and he is putting on a Sean Connery accent. We get maybe a line of it and then the big hired stamp. I think you're really overselling the Sean Connery accent. I think it's like a heavy air quotes Sean Connery accent that this man puts on. I mean, he does say he's doing a Sean Connery accent, which is now I know that that's what he was doing. He literally goes, I'm Sean Connery. (laughs) Like, that's what he sounds like. (laughs) Yeah. You would have been hired. Flawless. And then we get the fifth audition, who is another man, and he lives in the desert. Love it. Hired. (laughs) 
He's probably got great skin. Maybe he has a farm body. He might have a farm body. So with all of these people hired, we can head to the funeral service to show Candy what it would actually be like to hire these actors. And Nathan decides he's going to write a script um, for the actors to learn overnight and put on a performance for Candy in the morning. He, we see him working on it a little bit. It's basically saying that everyone is so sad. And the next morning <laughs> we get our really just absolutely Oscar-worthy per- performance from everyone involved. So we are at our friend Sid's funeral, I believe is the person's name, right? Sid Howard Doubletree. Oh, Doubletree, like the Hilton. And so at Sid's wedding, or Sid's wedding, whoa. <laughs> that would be weird. His wedding with heaven. His wedding at Sid's wedding with heaven. We see our one of our first actors come in. And so this was the guy who had been uh, very tenderly stroking the denim jacket in the earlier scene. And I think he does a really good job doing his little eulogy. The, my only criticism is that I think he says that he's so sad one too many times. So the actor's performance, I think, should be separated from the script because Nathan wrote this. And I think if he was told, go act sad and say a eulogy, he probably wouldn't say, I'm so sad. I'm so sad. I'm so sad. I'm so sad. Nathan's like in a corner whispering like, again, again, again. again." (laughs) Yeah, this is... So funny, though, because then it just really devolves after that. There's a woman, I believe the woman who said she can do many accents, and she does not have an accent in this particular scene, but she stands up and talks about how she was having an affair with Sid. Nathan really should have requested the Canadian accent from her. Um, That's disappointing. (laughs) But I think this is probably the part where Candy was like, maybe we don't need these theatrics at the funeral. If we have people claiming to have had uh affairs with the person who's dead that cannot defend themselves yes and the widow of sid says oh my gosh so every time he was going to 7-eleven he was actually cheating on me with her which is that a great excuse you're going to 7-eleven for when you're gonna go have an affair i mean i don't know sid but 7-eleven seems like it'd be too quick of a trip to get all that done Yeah, going out for a Slurpee, babe. You gotta say, like, hey, babe, I'm heading to Costco. You'll be gone for ages. Gotta get those samples. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to a bookstore. Maybe you're sitting reading the back covers of many books. Like, what are places that take the longest to get through? Yeah, like, I'm going to a theme park. Like, something where you're gonna be waiting around for a while. I'm really feeling a solo movie for the fourth night in a row. So we follow up this amazing performance with an original song by Nathan. And the lyrics are mainly that death is so sad. Accurate. Accurate. (laughs) Accurate depiction of death. Candy gets pretty into it and she's actually like singing along, which I thought was great. Like she was she was really all in on this idea, which I appreciate. Yeah, the original Death Happens by Nathan Fielder is a classic uh, funeral song. In fact, maybe that's one of the notes I should have in my funeral. Play Death Happens. So while all of this acting and dramatics are going on, we have Sid, um, who is one of the actors Nathan had auditioned, and he's supposed to just play a dead body. Now, Nathan goes over and tells him that he's keeping his eyes open and he needs to play dead a little bit better. He's saying, you know, your your legs are moving and your eyes are open. And Sid kind of goes to respond and says, oh, no, I thought I was being really still. And he goes, oh, my goodness, you're talking now, too. Like, this isn't what a dead body should do. So he closes the lid on him and just leaves him there. Um, at the end of the segment, we see... like Sid quote-unquote open it uh and the room is empty so I don't know how long they left him there for he didn't need to put anyone in the casket he could have just closed it and not had a person there right yeah yeah but this is funnier it is funny and 
I, I don't blame Sid. I am also a jittery person, so I don't think I could have just lied in a casket not moving. Though I think I would have at least tried to close my eyes. Like, maybe Nathan could have given him some headphones. He could have listened to a nice, relaxing audiobook or podcast or something while he was lying in there. I don't know. Well, also, Nathan couldn't see most of his body because the casket was, like, half open. So you could see kind of the waist up. But you couldn't see his legs or anything, so I think the comments were a little unfair. Yeah, well, Nathan wants to make sure that his actors are working for their dinner, you know? He's paying them. That's true. I would be interested to know how much they got paid. Ooh, that's a great point. That that would be very fun. I, I kind of want to know how much this additional service would have cost as well. I guess no one would agree to have the funeral filmed so even if she said, yes, let's do it, I don't know how they would convince someone to actually do this. And then hypothetically, because I feel like the kind of people that would buy this, it would be the person for their future funeral. It wouldn't yeah. be their friends saying, oh, I don't think so-and-so has enough friends. It'd be like you yourself saying, man, I want my friends to think I, I have a lot of people. So I think he, this would take a long time to bring to fruition. Yeah, for sure. So following this dry run of the funeral, we have a little meeting between Nathan and Candy. And he's like, all right, so are you ready to implement this? And she responds to him with, well, more yes than no, which is absolutely amazing noncommittal. We should all be using this statement in our everyday lives. So Nathan says that normally uh, when he visits a business, they give him a gift at the end of his service and he asks if Candy has a gift for him. Uh, she says she doesn't, and he says not to worry that production normally brings something that uh, they can give Candy to give to him so that they have the footage. He hands her a present. She said, yep, that sounds good. He leaves the room, pretends to enter again, and she gives him the gift and says, thank you so much for coming. Like, we really appreciate you. And he opens the gift on camera, and it is a pair of scissors. And he's kind of looking at it, and he asks her, like, why did you get me scissors? Yeah, and her recovery is on point. She says, well, everyone needs a pair of scissors. Which he, he kind of goes, yeah, yeah, are these new or used? Which, does that matter? You know, going back to Anthony Napoli having a threesome, does it matter who it's with? Does it matter if they're new scissors? I personally don't think so. I don't know. I feel like uh, I would prefer new scissors. Like, it, it depends. There's, like, kitchen scissors. Maybe you're cutting, like, food and stuff with them. I don't know. Scissors uh, touch a lot of things. That's fair. What if he was left-handed? Yeah. There's a lot of questions. I was really expecting there to be a ribbon somewhere for him to cut. I don't know why. I was like, oh, this is like a gift for something else. And they're going to randomly turn and he's going to be cutting like with all the actors behind it being like our show's starting or I don't know. I thought there was like a part two to this. So I do have an update on Boyd Funeral Homes. If you are interested in potential planning for the future. You know, if we ever end up living in L.A., this might be our go to spot. I hope I certainly hope we don't have a go-to funeral home spot. But well, maybe uh, we swing by and see if they need actors. The usual. So Boyd Funeral Home is still open. They don't have too many reviews on Google, only nine, but they have a four point two, which is pretty good. And people basically have said that it was really lovely. Candy, as of two years ago, did still work there. But yeah, so. Candy Boyd seems like a lovely person, so if you are looking for any funeral services in the LA area, I feel like that this is a great spot. You should reach out. Seems like she can help you and is very compassionate. So segment number two, we are focusing on LA Burger in Los Angeles, California. And their claim to fame is that they think they have the best burgers in LA. In fact, they think that so strongly that they want to put out a guarantee that if you don't think this is the best burger in L.A., Gustavo will personally give you $100 of his own money. 
Yeah, so that is Nathan's idea for really proving that this is the best burger in all of L.A. And, wow, I don't think I would have the balls to do this with any claim of my own. How about you? I'm just going to say it. Worst idea on the show so far. (laughs) Is it because it doesn't work or you just think it's boring? Uh, Both, I would say. I think the... There's not enough of, like, scheming going on. Um, I think definitely we'll get into the customers who show up, and and that part is very entertaining. But I think, and I know that most of these are, like, very jokey um, business ideas, but I think as far as a business idea goes, this one must be the least successful. Yeah. So, yes, Nathan does convince Gustavo that they will be offering up $100 if someone does not feel that the burger is the best burger they've had in L.A. And so one way that Nathan wants to try and get the word out about this new promotion is that he wants to get Gustavo on to L.A.'s most listened to morning show, which is on 95.5 KLOS, which is, from what I can tell online, kind of a like rock radio station. It looks like they kind of play everything. Um, allegedly, they have millions of listeners, which is pretty wild. I don't know what a normal amount of listeners is for a radio station, but million sounds pretty extreme. Yeah, like I'm on their Wikipedia page, which I feel like for them to have a Wikipedia page means that they've got to be a pretty big radio station. And it's just very impressive to me that Nathan was able to get on here. I don't know. Can't anyone make a Wikipedia page? They just had someone in the company probably do it. I guess, but it's, like, very detailed. Like, it's got history, um, because they were formed in 1947, which is very, very wild. It has, like, all of these different eras of people. It has a whole section on notable personalities. (laughs) So, it seems like they're pretty prolific, as far as I can tell. Now... I never listen to the radio. I have a podcast on or Spotify or something. Like, everyone has access to music that they want to hear without commercials, uh, podcasts they want to listen to, audiobooks. So if I'm in the car, like, I would probably have the the radio off and listen to nothing over having it on because I'm for sure listening to something else. Fair. I do listen to radio station. I listen to Indie 88 Toronto. (laughs) And I will say Indie 88, which is a small indie station out here, has 62.8 thousand followers on Instagram and KLOS955 only has 34.7 thousand. So millions of listeners. Maybe they were exaggerating. I don't know how to tell. But the morning show that Nathan and Gustavo did go on, which looks to be the Heidi and Frank show, does have 62.7 thousand followers. So this morning show has more followers than the actual station. Yeah. It does look like the morning show is pretty popular. So they get on there and Nathan and Gustavo talk about this new promotion where they're going to offer $100 for anyone who comes and eats the burger at LA Burger and does not think it's the best burger in LA. So while they're on this uh, radio show, Nathan reveals to us that he does not actually eat red meat, so he can't comment on whether or not the burger is the best in LA. And Heidi and Frank look shocked. They look so stunned by this fact, and they're like, why are you doing this? Yeah, I mean... I think that's kind of fair. Like, I am a vegetarian, so I don't think that I can really say whether or not something is the best burger in L.A. without having tried it, you know? I think it's fair to say that kind of anything you eat is not the best. And it's very subjective. And, like, you're never going to try every burger in L.A. back to back to back and be able to compare in a reasonable way. Fair enough. So... After they kind of go on the show and they've learned that there's millions of people listening, Gustavo is looking pretty nervous. So Nathan pulls him aside and is like, hey, you look like you're kind of freaking out. Like, don't worry. I'll cover the $100. I'll put up my own money for each person who says this is not the best burger in L.A. Yeah, which is very generous of Nathan. And I'm glad that he did that. But they even got some callers on the radio show. 
So during the segment, uh, Heidi and Frank had a few people call in to share with us their opinion on the situation. And the first guy who calls in, he says, I don't think this is a good idea. And I'm going to let you know my background. And Nathan cuts him off and says, like, I don't want to know your background. We're not interested. Next caller. And gets them to jump over this guy. We have another caller who says, this isn't a good idea because people could lie to you. So even if they think it's a great burger or even the best burger, they could just tell you that it's not their favorite. And we go through a few people who are very down on this idea. Yeah, I mean, can't blame them. Like, people will lie to get free stuff. I feel like we've seen this time and time again, you know? And this is, like, such a great and easy opportunity to get $100. And eat a burger. Mm-hmm. So, that promotion that they discuss on the radio is happening the exact same day. So, they leave the radio station, and when they get back to the burger joint, they can already see a crowd of people gathering outside excited for this promotion. Yes, there's a huge line. It's, like, around the block, and people are very, very excited to get some burgers. And then we kind of do get a little bit of a montage of people who are like, yeah, that was a pretty good burger. And no one's really, like, raving, raving, but they're like, oh, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, and so those are, I guess, the more reasonable people who are like, yeah, I kind of get this was a joke. It was a great burger. Thank you so much. Have, have a great day. This was funny. Um, and then we get some very, very dramatic people who do not like the burger and are acting it up so much. Like, if you don't think it's the best burger in LA, which is what their offering was, you know, not the best burger, get 100 bucks. You could have just walked up to him and said, you know what? This wasn't my favorite. I'll, I'll take the $100. But we get two women who are so dramatic about hating it and thinking it's terrible. So Nathan says to one woman who he doesn't believe that a really surefire way to know if someone likes something is to look at their face while they eat it. And she takes the tiniest bite and really dramatically spits it out and goes like, blah. <laughs> and it's just acting it up so much. And then we have another woman who says that she needs to go home and brush her taste to get this nasty taste out. And she keeps going on and on and on about toothpaste and how the burger is so terrible. And they're just really being dramatic for no reason, but it's very entertaining. Yeah, and honestly, those two are, like, a lot, but my biggest issue with any of the people is that there's one guy who says that he doesn't feel that ketchup and mustard should be on a burger. Yeah, that guy's ridiculous. He's like, oh, that's very McDonald's. No, it's called a condiment. It can go on really anything you want. This man is ridiculous. Like, that's totally his own fault. If you don't want ketchup and mustard on your burger, then say, I don't want ketchup and mustard on it. Like, I don't eat pickles, so I'd be like, hey, no pickles, please. Like, it's just so crazy that he's like, it's their fault that they that there's ketchup and mustard on the burger. Everyone puts ketchup and mustard on a burger. Yeah, uh, 100% right. This guy's crazy. But so Nathan did have a plan for this. He was like, okay, in case people are really saying this is not the best burger... He had brought a collection of different holy books to get people to swear on to say this was not the best burger. And, you know, on paper, this seems like it could be a good plan, get people to really put their money where their mouth is. But uh, it seems like most of the people just kind of swear on their holy book of choice and don't really care if that means they're going to go to hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone's just like, okay, fine. If you want me to put my hand on this to get 100 bucks, sure, that's fine. Let's move along. Um, we get kind of a crowd of people surrounding Nathan saying that they all don't think it's the best burger. And he's kind of arguing with a few of them. We have one man say that he's going to he's gonna get his lawyer if uh, he doesn't get his $100. Yeah, so we did reach out to a couple of our friends who are in the law field to see how they would go about defending this client if someone was like, hey, I ate a burger, someone said it was going to be the best in LA, or they get $100. And I was like, how would you argue that case to get them the money? And the answer that we got is that it is very arbitrary. <laughs> we would need to check the terms and conditions 
and you would probably have to prove that you bought another burger in LA recently and that it was better, but there could be a lot more to it. Yeah, it sounds like a fairly easy case to win when this claim is like so broad and they were pretty blunt on the radio saying like, you know, if if you don't find this to be the the best burger in LA, we'll give you $100. Oh, I think the I think the opposite. Oh. This would be very, very hard to prove. What? It's so easy. Just say, like, this was not my favorite burger. Here's another burger that I think is better. I think this would be impossible to get a lawyer to prove because I don't think that they signed anything either. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I I don't think suing is, like, a reasonable direction to go. I think it would, one, take forever, and two... Yeah, there's no, like, formal in-writing agreement. But I do think it's very easy to prove that this is not the best burger in L.A. The approach I would have taken if I had wanted, if I had wanted to tell them it wasn't my favorite burger was of one of the characters we meet. He says that, you know, it's it's a great burger. It's not his favorite burger. And this is right when Nathan had handed started handing out people in this crowd $100. And he's like, you know, in fact, this is my second burger. And Nathan goes, your second burger? And goes to grab the money back. And I think the point he was making is like, this is a great burger. Like, it's tasty. I like it. But it's not the best burger. And so that's why he felt that although the burger was delicious and he was on his second one, he still deserved the $100, which I I kind of agree with. Yeah, and Nathan goes through a couple of people as well who he's, you know, really starting to feel the the issue of giving out hundreds of dollars, and we learn later actually thousands of dollars. So he actually tells one couple, you know, I can give you guys your $200, but it means I'm going to have to fire someone immediately. This was so awkward, and it was really funny because, of course, we know it's fake. Um, But it was hilarious. So they're sitting inside the restaurant alone. The couple's sitting down and Nathan's just having a frank discussion with them where they're kind of saying, you know, wasn't our favorite burger. And Nathan says, you know, that means that we're going to have to fire Raquel. Um, Things have gotten really bad and, you know, we've really taken a hit today. So I'm going to need to let her go. But it's completely fair. Like, here's your money. It's very understandable. We have Raquel come out in into the room that they're in. And he's like, oh, Raquel, like you, I guess you were just wandering back here. Um, Actually, while you're here, I have something to tell you. You know, we've lost a lot of money today and, and I don't think we can keep you. This couple looks so horrified, but almost <laughs> kind of laughing a little bit too. Like, is this a joke? Like, I don't know. And so they say, you know, if it comes to this, like, we don't, we don't need the $200. Like, it's fine. If it's getting to this point, just keep it. Like, we don't want to cost her her job. Nathan's like, are you sure? That's very kind of you. And then he turns to Raquel and goes, you know what? We can keep you on because this kind couple uh, didn't take the $200. And, and he hugs her and she just kind of walks away. Yeah, this would be such an awkward scenario if you were the couple. (laughs) Like, you've already seen so many people get their money back, and then just because you happen to be sitting there, like, you're the ones who get guilted into being like, oh, actually, you can keep the money. Yeah, I would have for sure been like, just keep it, it's fine. Like, (laughs) I would have felt so awkward taking the money or asking, especially if there's a lot of people around asking for money. I would have felt really awkward joining. I think I would have just let it be. I would never have asked for the money. I don't even send back food at restaurants. Like, I just hate confrontation. There's absolutely no way I would have been able to to even ask for the $100. Yeah, it would have been so awkward. And especially if you see how much money they're giving out, you're like, man, this is a bad idea for them. So Nathan and Gustavo were, were talking after this, and Nathan spent $6,000. But something we don't learn that I would be very interested to know is how much money Gustavo made from this day. Because, you know, there was a lineup around the block, they were super busy, and Nathan had taken on that cost of paying everyone. But the restaurant had tons of people at it that day. So I would really want to know how much money Gustavo made from sales that day. Because we know that at least 60 people had wanted their money back. And not everyone who went requested uh, the $100. So it could be a great day of sales for him. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, So I'm just kind of looking at their menu. And 
on average, I'd guess it's probably like around $10 a person. So we would kind of need to know like what percentage of people asked for the $100 and then we could kind of figure it out from there. But unfortunately, LA Burger is permanently closed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I did read online that a guy who lives in the area was saying that almost every burger shop kind of around that area has Best Burger in LA written on the sign. And they're all kind of the same type of signage. So it's a very popular phrase. And there's a lot of very similar burger shops in that area. Yeah, I mean, I hope Gustav is doing well. It sucks that the the burger shop has closed down. But say la vie, you know? Yeah, and Nathan kind of finishes the segment by saying, like, you know, 6000 was a small price to pay to see Gustavo smile. And uh, how much would you pay to see someone smile? <laughs> um, like $15. <laughs> Certainly not six grand. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think $15 is a very, that's like a very reasonable price. Like, get someone like a little fun treat or like even just buying someone a coffee for like three bucks. I think would make them smile. Yeah, I think so. Recently, my cat was very ill and we just spent $5,000 to send him to the emergency vet. And that was like, that was a lot. I guess it, it would cost my fiance five grand to make me smile is what I'm trying to say. I mean, if it counts for anything, which it doesn't nearly as much, it made me smile too. you can tell Colin it made me very happy to hear he's doing okay (laughs) so our final segment this is a rare Nathan for you where we get three businesses in one episode and our last business is all about skydiving so Nathan kind of opens up saying that before he helps a business, he really wants to experience what the customer does so that he can help make sure that he's really giving them the best options. Yeah, so something I want to talk a little bit about is, you know, the language Nathan has decided should be associated with skydiving. So he says, skydiving is so sweet, and I was stoked to pay him a visit to help his business. And right after that line was said, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to jot down whatever words Nathan says um, that I would think fit this category of things he wouldn't normally say. So he says, rock and roll, sweet, stoked, rad, sweet man, pumped. He does air guitar. He fist pumps. He says, eat some wind, balls to the walls, risk taking fun. Um, cinch, super stoked, and eat some sky. And you forgot one of the most important parts, something that he does, not says, though. What is it? Right at the beginning, when they they open up this little segment, he drifts into the screen. Oh, yeah, yeah, in his car. Yeah, because Nathan is extreme when he's talking about skydiving. I hear he's a little bit of a bad boy. (laughs) I would agree. So, yes, Nathan essentially is like, I need to skydive to be able to determine whether what different things I can offer to skydive Paris. So we're introduced to Scott Smith, who is going to be a skydive instructor at Skydive Paris. And Nathan's stoked, man. He's so ready to do this. They get all suited up, and some of the things that Megan noted, uh, Nathan says, he does lots of air guitar. They get in the plane, they go up to 12,500 feet, and then right before he jumps out, Nathan realizes, oh my god, he has to meet a friend for lunch at three, and he's going to be late. Yeah, so Scott is saying, you know, the fastest way to get to the ground is by jumping outside. Like, let's go. We'll get there faster. And Nathan's like, no, you don't understand. I need to meet my friend for lunch. He's like, yeah, I know. This is the fastest way to get to the ground. But ultimately, Nathan definitely does not chicken out and takes the plane back to the ground where they discuss these lunch plans. So... He's kind of realizing that Scott might not believe him. And he says, oh, you know, terrible scheduling on my part. And he asks Scott if he thinks that he's lying. And Scott says, you know, it it doesn't matter if if I think you're lying. 
And this seems to bother Nathan, so he says, why don't you come to lunch with me and you can see my friend in person. On the drive over, we get a camera shot of Nathan driving and Scott in the front seat. Partway through the drive, Nathan takes off his seatbelt and you can hear the car beeping. And he just kind of glances at Scott being like, oh, what, you wear seatbelts? And Scott's like, yes. (laughs) So I guess Nathan was trying to show that he's some sort of tough, rad, badass by not keeping his seatbelt on, uh, which is not rad, Nathan. He's just trying to be extreme. Very extreme. But keep your seatbelts on. Yeah, so they head out together to meet Nathan's friend for lunch. But, of course, he's late as usual. And then, finally, Nathan sees him in the parking lot. So he approaches this guy. And, you know, he's like, hey, I need you to pretend to be my friend. Here's $40. But in the voiceover, we get Nathan saying... I owed my friend $40, so I wanted to make sure that I gave him that before, you know, proceeding. So after Nathan meets his quote-unquote friend for lunch, he walks uh, him back over to Scott and introduces him. He says, hey, Scott, this is my friend, and I actually really wanted you to meet him because he loves skydiving. And so his friend uh, plays it up and tries to agree with Nathan and says, oh, yeah, I love skydiving. Scott wants to know where do you go in town? Like, like, where have you been before? And he says, oh, uh, you know, just, just here in town, trying to play off the question. I think he actually says at pa- in Paris, I think he's able to, like, suss out that Scott's wearing a skydiving Paris shirt. Because he says, like, oh, yeah, I go in Paris. Yeah, so then to try to help uh, help the conversation, he says, oh, you know, well, maybe they go on different days. Um, this new guy, he goes on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and he asks Scott when he goes. And of course, Scott goes skydiving every day. So that didn't really help the situation. Uh, Nathan jumps in and says, oh, you know, he, he mainly goes skydiving in Germany. That's like his main area. And Scott asks him, well, whoa, what drop zones do you go to? And I guess we're all just impressed by Scott's vast knowledge of drop zones all over the world. He, he's... Very knowledgeable, he, which I think is something that you would want in a skydiving instructor. I don't think you want someone who doesn't know everything Mm-mm. about skydiving to be the person taking you. But I honestly am pretty impressed with the friend uh, that Nathan makes here. I think he does an okay job of really trying to to fake it till he makes it. Yeah, especially when you're with someone who's such like a professional in the industry and has clearly done it for many, many years and owns a facility to try to bluff your way through that conversation would be so difficult because we don't know if this guy has ever gone skydiving even once. Yeah, I feel like it's probably pretty low likelihood that he has, right? Like out of all of our friends, how many of them have gone skydiving? Like probably very few. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think only one. Yeah, so once they go inside to actually eat, Nathan really throws our our poor new friend into a weird situation where he's like, hey, tell Scott about the time you had to come out to your parents. And we don't get to hear the whole story, but I'm kind of interested to hear what this guy came up with as his coming out story. Yeah, I feel like if we had seen the whole lunch, it would have been really funny to watch Nathan ask him to share these random stories. And this guy has to do some improv and come up with something on the spot and see um, what Scott thinks of him, if he believes that they're friends. I thought this could have been a really funny bit. But again, the episode's short and we're running out of time with this being the third segment. So we kind of yada yada past it. And I'm going to assume that they showed us the funnier aspects of it. And so once lunch is over, Scott says, okay, lunch is done. Are you now free to go skydiving? So they head back to give this a second chance. Yes. And they get on the plane. They're all suited up. They get to the however many thousand, 12,500 feet. And we get a very interesting edited video of Scott and Nathan's faces being put onto two people who went skydiving. Yeah, so I would bet that Nathan actually went skydiving, but they thought that this would be funnier. 
Yeah. I would hope that they did actually go because I feel like it's kind of annoying to Scott and his team. Like, they really wasted their whole day. Yeah, and they also didn't, like, pitch a business idea to them. For sure. But, yeah, so Nathan basically says, like, oh, I didn't end up pitching anything to them because it was such a great experience. They don't need my help. Yeah, I'd be interested um, to learn if Nathan actually went. Uh, Do you want to give us the update on Skydive Paris? Yeah, Skydive Paris is still open. Um, They have really great reviews. They have like a 4.9 on Google with 928 reviews, which is pretty wild. People seem to really love this. And I believe they are open right now for COVID-19 as well. Um, They seem to have some protocols. I would personally not go skydiving during COVID-19. But hey, if you want to, that's your prerogative. Would you go skydiving? Um, so, like, I'm pretty afraid of heights, but I maybe would try it once. My main, like, issue with it is that it's kind of expensive, and I just wouldn't want to go and then chicken out and, like, have spent all this money. How about you? Yeah, I'm a little bit in the same boat where, unless there was, like, a real reason to go, like, I don't know, maybe if everyone at work was going and it was like a team event, which seems a little far-fetched, but if there was like a situation where everyone else is going and it's it's kind of just you, I, I would feel a lot more pressure to, but it's certainly not something I'm interested in doing. Again, it's very expensive. I don't like the feeling of falling. Um, I would be much more interested in zip lining or something where there's like a gradual decline. Like to me, that's fun. I don't like dropping So I do have our friend, the stunt driver who did Nathan's little drift in. I have their IMDb page up. So stunt performer's name is Tanner Gill, and they seem to be pretty prolific in their career. And actually, I have two specific things that I want to call out because they're in Charlie's Angels 2000 and... One of our favorite films, Triple X, 2002, starring Vin Diesel. Wow. I love this. Okay. Those are both movies that we watched on our other podcast, Cool Girls Look at Explosions. And so this is very exciting. Maybe maybe during COVID, uh, Tanner's available for a little chit-chat. Definitely check those out if you are interested in hearing us talk those movies. But yeah, he's been in a lot of other stuff as well. He was in some Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, He was in, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. He was in Cloverfield, um, Rush Hour 3, lots of stuff. So good for him. He's still working today. He is working on the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I know a lot of people like, so... And I think that kind of wraps up this episode. Yeah. Um, which was your favorite segment to least favorite segment? I definitely think, you know, Candy Boyd and the Funeral Home. She's a great person. And I thought that that whole little situation was pretty funny. Then I'd probably go skydiving and then burgers. How about you? Um, I thought that... Burgers was probably more entertaining than the skydiving. Um, Like the segment of the women like poking at the beef being like, this side's nice, this side's disgusting and dramatically spitting it out of their mouth. Um, I thought that was very entertaining. So I would probably have it where um, the funeral home is first, the burger is second and skydiving is third. Fair enough. I I could be swayed to do that as well. At the end of the season, we're going to rank the different segments. So I will take you being swayed uh, into account and I will definitely push for the burger shop to be above skydiving at that point. (laughs) We'll see. I can also be pretty persuasive. And I definitely do want to give a shout out to one of our pals who wrote a review. So thank you, Kyle Picard, who wrote us a review on February 3rd. And what I really love is that Kyle said, if I allowed shoplifting based on whether or not your podcast is great, you'd both be allowed to shoplift, which is truly the biggest compliment one can receive. Yeah, definitely. I'm also hoping that Kyle owns a store that we can visit one day. 
yeah, Kyle, let us know. We will take you up on that offer. Um, and if you would like to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be amazing. It really helps us out. Our next episode, we're covering the claw of shame, and we have a very special guest to come on and help chat about that one because, you know, it's kind of a weird episode, so why not bring in someone who is arguably maybe funnier than us? Oh, most definitely, but don't forget about us when he outshines us. Yes, so we will have AJ Norris coming on next week. The great AJ Norris. The great AJ Norris, and it's going to be a really fun time. Make sure if you're really bored and want to listen to us talk action movies to check out our other podcast, Cool Girls Look at Explosions. And please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nathan for Us Pod. This has been Kelly and Megan on your side. <laughs>